Shalom and welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. And I'm seeking to let others know where I found that bread so that they too can get a new start. This episode, Born Again. Shout out to Thousand Foot Crutch for the title on this one. Out of Toronto, Canada, Thousand Foot Crutch, TFK for short. Wait, that's weird. Canadians spell crutch with a K. Huh. I guess that kind of makes sense because they spell miles with a K also. Ever seen a Canadian speed limit sign or a speedometer in a Canadian car? Yeah, it says like 65 km. Like 65 miles. I imagine the K is silent, but that's just weird. Anyway, TFK relocated to Nashville, which of course is the hub of Christian music. And what I respect about Thousand Foot Crutch is they continue to get better album after album. They have progressed. They started off doing mostly like rock anthem kind of stuff. And now they're much broader, wider range of songs. And lead singer Trevor McNevin, Trevor McNenanen, Trevor McNevigan, Finnegan Begin Again. I don't know. Trevor, the lead singer for Thousand Foot Crutch, he put out a hip-hop album under the title I Am The Storm, and it is good. There is some straight fire on that album. I was impressed. Anyway, the song Born Again is off of Thousand Foot Crutch's 2016 Exhale album, which is probably my favorite of theirs. In any event, check them out when you get time. For now, let's get on with the message, because it ain't about the music. Born again. I love the feast days and the days of the Lord. And you can find basic information on them in Leviticus 23. And that gets you started. But then they're sprinkled throughout the scriptures in the Tanakh as well as the Brit Hadashah, the Old and New Testament. Each of these feast days have historical significance, they have present day application and future relevance as well as they all point to Messiah, Yeshua. And my hope is to shine the light of these amazing feasts of the Lord, that the church would get tired of the counterfeits, that they would lose their taste for the counterfeits and want the authentic, what God has provided. I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone, but I am trying to enrich people's lives with what God has provided us in his word, these amazing feasts. And the modern church primarily celebrates things like Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday. That was a new one on me. I hadn't heard that till, you know, recent couple of years here, Maundy Thursday, Palm Sunday, Manic Monday. No, they don't do that one. But uh, Good Friday, and then, of course, Easter. There's not a person in the scriptures who celebrated any of these, or Advent, Ash Wednesday, Lent, or Christmas, for that matter. So what they did celebrate throughout scripture even after Yeshua's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, Christians even celebrated Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Shavuot or Pentecost, the Day of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what's in the scriptures. 
Why do we look for other things when God has provided these amazing feast days with such an intricate history? Anyway, we have explored a few of these feasts and days of the Lord in the past on this podcast. We have looked at uh, Passover in the Creeping Death episode, Communication Breakdown. We looked at Shavuot or Pentecost. On the Lump episode, we discussed the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Figure It Out dug into Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Distant Early Warning talks about the Day of Trumpets. Today, let's take a look at first fruits. In Leviticus 23, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give to you, and you gather its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest to the priests. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. First fruits is a feast and an offering to Adonai Elohim. It's an offering to the Lord of the first fruits from the early harvest, the spring harvest. It was a way to give thanks that the harvest had begun, and it was an act of faith because there's no certainty. There's no guarantees that there would be an abundant harvest at the start of the year, and you're taking the first fruits, the first crops that you have harvested of any crop. And so giving the first portion to the Lord is a huge step of faith. And it would certainly be tempting, I would imagine, to hold some back, you know, just in case. Well, what if there's a blight? What if there's crop failure? What if there's locusts? What if, what if, what if? Maybe we should hold some of this back. So giving of the first fruits is a step of faith. And it's how we're supposed to give in our finances and in our other giving as well. Setting aside the first fruits for God first and living off the rest. And so often we pay our bills, do all the things, spend our miscellaneous budget, and we give Adonai our leftovers. We're supposed to give to him first in faith and believe him to provide amply for our needs. More on that another time. Lord willing, we will go there. So, first fruits. It is a celebration that the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, has brought a harvest after the winter, bringing life out of death. There are lots of pagan celebrations this same time of year that worship the earth or false gods or fertility goddesses like Ishtar, where the word Easter comes from. They, and they, they happen at this time of year, at the springtime. There's sun worshipers, even Wicca, so many others. They have, they have celebrations this time of year. What sets first fruits apart is the celebration of first fruits. First of all, it's ordained and commanded by God, but it exalts 
the creator of all things. It lifts God up. Historically, once God's people got into the land of promise, a fertile land, they were commanded to offer and celebrate first fruits, giving thanks for God's abundant provision, giving thanks to him for his provision. So the order of the spring feasts, the feasts of the Lord go Passover, which is on the 14th day of the first month on the Hebrew calendar. So you've got Passover on the 14th. Unleavened bread begins on the next day, the 15th of the first month of the year. First fruits is celebrated after the weekly Sabbath following the start of unleavened bread. So if Passover occurs on a Wednesday, unleavened bread starts on the next day, Thursday. It is a Sabbath, a high Sabbath. The next day would be Friday, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread continues. It's a seven-day feast. So the day following that is the seventh day of the week, Saturday, which is the weekly Sabbath, Shabbat. The first day of the next week, Sunday, is first fruits. It is, again, a celebration of bringing life from death, a harvest out of the death of winter. Messiah was crucified on Passover. He was buried before the start of the High Sabbath, which is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We see in John chapter 19, beginning at verse 31. It was the day of preparation, and the next day was the festival Shabbat, so that the bodies should not remain on the execution stake during Shabbat. The Judean leaders asked Pilate to have the legs broken and to have the bodies taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then the other who had been executed with Yeshua. Now, when they came to Yeshua and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So this version, this is the tree of life version. It says that it it, it was a festival Shabbat. The Sabbath, which starts unleavened bread. Most other English translations say it is a high Sabbath or a great Sabbath. This is different from the weekly Sabbath on the seventh day, Saturday. That Sabbath was a high day or the day of that Sabbath was a was great. Not referring again to the weekly Sabbath, but this high Sabbath, the first day of unleavened bread. The timing of all these things actually disrupt and dismantle the timing of Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, all of that. It disrupts that, but that'll be for another time. I suggest you get the time. Take a look at 119 Ministries. They have a teaching. I believe it's called, Was the Lord's Supper the Passover? So you get a chance, read that one, and they break down how the math works. Three days and nights in the grave. All that. Get a chance, check that one out. Back to first fruits here. So 
The celebration acknowledges the agricultural harvest. Life bursts forth from the death of winter. It is the day Yeshua burst forth from the dead, resurrected. And I believe it is also a foreshadowing of the first resurrection when Yeshua establishes the messianic kingdom on earth when we will be bodily resurrected, born again bodily. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Messiah Yeshua is the first fruits from the dead. These feasts all point to him. We need to latch on to these. So what does it mean to be born again? If you go to 10 different churches, varying denominations, non-denominational, you're, you're most likely going to get 10 different answers. So why don't we take a look at what the scriptures say? Because that's what matters. And understanding what the scriptures say is vital. So... Most of the answers from the present-day church would involve some sort of salvation prayer to accept, receive, or invite Jesus into your heart. And then from there, it varies on how you are to live after that. Some don't care at all how you live after that. You're not going to find anywhere in the scriptures where we are told to receive or accept Jesus into our hearts or invite him into our hearts. That's not found in the scriptures. Those phrases are like maybe 150 to 200 years old that they be, when, they, when they started being used. And they're completely void of the word repentance, which is what King Messiah Yeshua and his disciples told us we have to do, repent. Anyway, born again. Let's look at John 3, starting at verse 1. Now there was a man, a Pharisee, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jewish people. He came to Yeshua at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you, are, you, a teacher, have come from God. For no one can perform these signs which you do unless God is with him. Yeshua answered him, Amen, amen. I tell you, Unless one is born again or from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus said to him. He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Yeshua answered, Amen, amen. I tell you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I said to you, you all must be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Messiah lets Nicodemus know that all people are born physically into this world, but to see the kingdom of God? One must be born again. And not everyone who is born physically into this world will be born again, born from above. So this passage of John, John chapter 3, carries so much depth and so many layers. It's hard 
to just use bits and pieces of it because it all speaks, it all flows together and keeps the context together. So I want to continue in verse 9. Nicodemus is looking for some clarification. How can these things happen? Nicodemus said. Yeshua answered him, You're a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Amen, amen, I tell you, we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen. Yet you all do not receive our testimony. If you do not believe the earthly things I told you, how will you believe when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that who Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe has been condemned already because he has not put his trust in the name of the one and only Ben Elohim, son of God. Yeshua tells Nicodemus that the Son of Man must be lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. Now, it's not likely at this moment, as Nicodemus was being told these things by Messiah, that he would have thought about the crucifixion, but rather that God was going to exalt, lift up, promote Yeshua positionally, the Son of Man, which is referred to in Daniel. Of course, at the crucifixion, Messiah's words would probably echo in Nicodemus's mind. So too, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Moses lifting up the serpent is found in Numbers chapter 21. So let's take a look at that for a moment, keeping with the context of what, what Yeshua is saying. The people started complaining again about miserable food and no water. Adonai sent fiery serpents on them. This is judgment. Many people of Israel died. So let's take a look. Uh, Numbers 21, starting at verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord that he will remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and put it on a flagpole, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten and looks at it will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on the flagpole. And it came about that if a serpent bit someone and he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So the people sinned, which brought the serpents, which brought death. The antidote was to look at what their sin had brought. Judgment, looking upon it, looking upon that judgment, the the serpents, the, the bronze serpent. Sin 
brings death. When Yeshua was crucified, lifted up the Son of Man, the people looked at what their sin had brought. Judgment, death, judgment poured out on the Son of Man, even the death of King Messiah. Truly looking at him in the light of our sin, truly looking at him can cause us to live, though we should die. But still, what does it mean to be born again? Thank you. Appreciate you getting me back on track. Yes, being born again. All right, let's take a look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, In his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. An incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance has been reserved in heaven for you. By trusting, you are being protected by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this greatly, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. These trials are so that the true metal of your faith, far more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may come to light in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. Though you have not seen him, You love him. And even though you don't see him now, you trust him and are filled with a joy that is glorious beyond words, receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So there's a lot to unpack in in this small portion of Scripture. First, in God's great mercy, he caused us, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. Born again through the resurrection of Messiah to a living hope. Well, what is the living hope? Verse 4 says, An incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance has been reserved in heaven for you. There is an inheritance in heaven for followers of Messiah, an incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading or imperishable inheritance. Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, is both trustee and executor of this inheritance. I do not believe that this is referring to people going to heaven or God bringing people to heaven for this inheritance. Please listen as we continue. As we've studied before, in the last days, first will come the resurrection from the dead, and and that is at the establishment of the messianic era or kingdom. This is a thousand-year reign, which is spoken of in the book of Revelation. Thousand-year reign on earth, Messiah's kingdom. After that, when the dragon, the adversary, Satan, is completely destroyed, and God will create a new heaven 
and a new earth. Peter describes the very elements melting away. So this new heaven and new earth are known in Hebrew as Olam Haba, which is the world to come. So we currently are in Olam Hazeh, this present world. Even the Messianic kingdom is part of Olam Hazeh, this present world. After that, after that thousand-year reign again, then will come Olam Haba, the world which is to come. Isaiah 64 says that no eye has seen or ear has heard. So it, it, this is going to be something completely new to everyone who enters. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love him. King Messiah Yeshua talked about storing up treasures in heaven, right? And he talked about great is your reward in heaven. I believe those things he mentions are a part of that incorruptible, undefiled, imperishable inheritance the Father has for his people, which is to be distributed in Olam Haba, the world to come. So as we consider all these things, first fruits, Messiah's resurrection, the first resurrection, and the world to come, the new heaven and earth. What does it mean to be born again? The first thing it means, when we look at this, being born again, looking at all these different references to it, we must die before we can be born again. To be born again, we have to die first. The leaves, flowers, and fruit of plants and trees die in the winter. They burst forth to new life in the early harvest. Yeshua died and was raised in glorified bodily form from the grave. In his glorified body, we will be bodily resurrected in the last times as Messiah establishes his kingdom and heaven and earth will heaven and earth will even eventually pass away and there will be a new heaven and earth all of this death and rebirth being born again now one point of clarification here so that i am not misunderstood in any way if I allude to Messiah being born again through his, through his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, I am referring to his body. He did not need to be spiritually born again as some are teaching these days. Elevation Church, Bethel Church, Hillsong, pass. Not interested. It is a huge error. And, and, and it, it's... Uh, it's spurred from what's called the Apostles' Creed. And I, I don't even know, I don't know what apostles signed off on, on that Apostles' Creed. There, there are some, some things in it that are actually good, but, but uh, they say that, that Yeshua spent three days and nights in hell. And I do not believe that is what the scriptures say at all. The Hebrew word Sheol is used and it means grave or hell. 
I, I firmly believe Yeshua was in the grave and God rescued his physical body from death. I do not believe he went to hell and I do not need, believe that he ever needed to be spiritually born again. Just to be clear. And as we read uh, the words of Yeshua in John twelve twenty four, referring to all these things, first fruits and, and the resurrection, all of these things, John twelve twenty four, Yeshua said, Amen, amen. I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. We have to die to be born again, to begin bearing fruit. And we know, again, Yeshua is the first fruits from the dead. So, back to heaven and earth even passing away. Isaiah 34 and verse 4 says, and all the heavenly lights will wear away and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All its lights will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree. And this is also referenced in Revelation 6, that that passage from Isaiah. Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. Born again through the resurrection of Messiah to a living hope. Let's go back to Peter. We'll be in 2 Peter this time. 2 Peter 3, verse 7. But by his word... The present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. That's what's happening to heaven and earth after the thousand year reign. Olam Hazeh, the present world, will go away, and Olam Haba, the world to come, will arrive. Revelation 21 and verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. So, we are born again for the inheritance we will receive in the world to come, Olam Haba. To be born again for the world to come, we must be born from the world to come, which is to be born from above, born Again, and you can go back to the Rescue Me episode for a little bit more on this topic. Dig into, dig into that one. These two go somewhat hand in hand. But our physical bodies will die when God ordains it. At whatever appointed time, our physical bodies are going to expire. Prior to this, as Yeshua said, we must be born again, born from above if we want to see the kingdom of God, Olam Haba, the world that is to come. We must die spiritually. We must die to ourselves in order to live for Messiah. To be born again, we must first die. Yeshua said, to save our lives, we must lose them. He said to take up our cross and follow him. The apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Messiah. 
Though I live, it is Messiah who lives in me. This is why the whole soft peddling, ask Jesus into your heart, receive him today, accept him, is so dangerous. We're to repent and die to ourselves. And I get it. That's a whole lot tougher sell. You don't fill nearly as many pews when you say, hey, guess what? You want to be in the kingdom of God? Today, you need to die to yourself. You need to repent and die that you can be born again. It's a lot tougher sell than the milk toast that's offered up at many churches today. And this is why also I don't think scripture speaks of a one-time prayer that saves the eternal soul from hell. Now, I know some people will want to bring up the, the thief on the cross Okay, that's that, that's like the extreme example. We're not. I mean, th- that's the the exception, not the rule. Yes, it did happen. It happened just just as we read it did. But there's in in the vast majority of cases, it's it is not that way. It's not a one time prayer, and then salvation. So let's look at what. Peter says back in first Peter chapter one. And again, I please study it out. Don't take my word for it. But it is my opinion, my strong opinion that I don't think scripture speaks of a one time prayer that saves the eternal soul from hell. Let's look at first Peter one, verse 23. You have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, Brad, look at that. Imperishable seed. You're born again of imperishable seed. So if you pray a salvation prayer, you've got that imperishable seed and you are now imperishable. Huh. When we read this passage in 1 Peter 1, 23, born again of imperishable seed, it should, I believe, make us think of the parable of the sower, which Yeshua told, and which Peter heard firsthand. It's in Mark chapter 4, it's also in Matthew 13, and it's in Luke 2. Not Luke chapter 2, but Luke also. Anyway, Yeshua clarifies about the he he tells the parable and then he clarifies that the seed that was being sown by the sower is the word of God the imperishable word of God which Peter just referenced so that that is the seed that is being spoken of in this parable let's start at verse 14 in Mark chapter 4 the sower sows the word these are the ones beside the road where the, the word is sown. Whenever they hear, Satan comes quickly and takes away the word that has been sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but last only a short while when trouble or persecution comes because of the word immediately they fall away and others are the ones sown among the thorns 
They have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and produce fruit thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. Personally, I believe that while these four types of soil can certainly represent four different types of people, I think that people, individuals, go through periods in our lives that cover all four types of the soil. But what happens to the seed, the word of Adonai? Well, to the hard-hearted, the adversary distracts them. It never penetrates and he takes it away. To the shallow, the rocky ones, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they fall away. No roots, no fruit. They had the imperishable word and fell away. To the thorny hearted, they have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and produce fruit. 30, 60, and 100-fold produce fruit. You will know them by their fruit. The others were unfruitful. This produced fruit, which means doing God's word, being doers of his word and not just hearers of it. I believe once the word is planted in us by the sower, we must tend the garden. We have to till the soil of our hearts to break up any hardness. We have to water the seeds with prayer. We have to pull the weeds and remove the stones. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. And he also wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Verses 30 and 31. And why are we in danger every hour? I die every day. Yes, as surely as the boast in you, brothers and sisters, which I have in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. I die every day. The outer man is perishing and the inner man is renewed day by day. We die daily. I die daily in the inner man. The inner man, the inner man is made new day by day. We must die to ourselves every day. It is not a one-time thing. This is daily and even moment by moment yielded and surrendered to Messiah, being renewed in the inner man, the spirit. We have to tend the garden. No one plants a garden and then just walks away ignoring it, not caring for it at all, and comes back expecting a harvest. We are to be born again spiritually 
in preparation to be born again physically at the resurrection, which will prepare us for Olam Haba, the world to come. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul wrote this. Philippians 3. Read the whole thing. Read the whole book. Great book, Philippians. So we'll start at verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, these I have considered as loss for the sake of the Messiah. More than that, I consider all things to be lost in comparison to the surpassing value of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered loss of all things, and I consider them garbage in order that I may gain Messiah and be found in him, not having my righteousness derived from Torah, but one that is through trusting in Messiah, the righteousness from God based on trust. My aim is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. If somehow I might arrive at the resurrection from among the dead. That's verse 11. If somehow I might arrive at the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or been perfected. But I press on, if only I might take hold of that, for which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of this. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the reward of the upward calling of God in Messiah Yeshua. Therefore, let all who are mature have this attitude. And if you have a different attitude in anything... This also God will reveal to you. Nevertheless, let us live up to the same standard we have attained. He hasn't obtained it yet. It is to come. Again, listen to the conundrum episode when you get, when you get time. We talk about the, the day, that time of salvation, when salvation occurs. But Paul's clearly saying here, he hasn't obtained yet that, that resurrection. It's what he's striving for. It's what he's pressing for. What It's what he dies to himself for every day is to continue pursuing, to obtain what God has for him in Messiah Yeshua. And this should be how we live our lives. Repentant, dying to self. Look to the Son of Man, King Messiah. He is high and lifted up. Look upon him and recognize what our sin did. The result, his death, judgment for our sin. Looking unto Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of faith, who endured the cross, despising its shame for the joy set before him. Let us look unto him that we may live and not die. To even see the kingdom of God, we must be born again. To be born again, we must first die. Let us die to self and live for Messiah Yeshua as he has died for us, that we may live with him. I appreciate your time. Thanks for giving the listen. And please study to show yourself approved of God. I hope that this has blessed you and that it challenges you.
a joyous first fruits to you all. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And because of that, we can be born again to a living hope. Let's go out and give them heaven. Olam haba, the world to come. Shalom.